Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Some time ago, I read you some of my favorite quotes from the Word. Were you here for that? And uh, some of them were, if you're too busy to read the Bible, you're too busy. A well-read Bible is a sign of a well-fed soul. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Sin will keep you from the Bible, somebody help me, or the Bible will keep you from? You know that one. And then a couple weeks later, I read you a series of Christian one-liners like, I don't know why some people change churches. What difference does it make which one you stay home from? (laughs) Be fishers of men. You catch them, he'll clean them. Stop, drop, and roll does not work in hell. (laughs) Let the church say amen. Amen. So... Here are some of my favorite quotes from kids on religion. And I have a few, but several actually, but I only have time to read you a couple of maybe three. So here's one for you on Lot's wife. The Sunday school teacher was describing how Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt when Jason, when little Jason interrupted and said, my mommy looked back once while she was driving, he announced triumphantly, and she turned into a telephone pole. <laughs> okay, on Good Samaritan. A Sunday school teacher was telling her class the story of the Good Samaritan. She asked the class, if you saw a person lying on the roadside, all wounded and bleeding, what would you do? Well, a thoughtful little girl broke the hushed silence and said, I think I'd throw up. <laughs> and then finally... This is say a prayer. Little Johnny and his family was having Sunday dinner at his grandmother's house. Everybody was seated around the table as the food was being served. When little Johnny received his plate, he started eating right away. Johnny, please wait until we say the prayer, said his mother. I don't need to, the boy replied. Of course you do, his mother insisted. We always say a prayer before eating at our house. Well, that's at our house, Johnny explained. But this is grandmom's house and she knows how to cook. Those are actually, <laughs> believe it or not, those are true. Those are true. That, that, those are not written. They are true. Okay, take your Bibles. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Luke chapter 9. Got a pen, got a pad, got your heart. Luke chapter 9. This week's sermon title is The Call to Follow. Let's pray together. Father, we love you today. Lord, we bless you. We thank you for your word today. And God, we certainly want to hear what you have to say. Teach us today. 
give us fresh new insight on, Lord, true discipleship and what it means to follow you. I thank you for each person, Lord, that, Lord, just weathered the weather to get to church today. And Lord, uh, thank you for bringing them all here safely. And I pray, Father, that uh, our labor would not be in vain, that, Father, today we would hear what the Spirit says to the church. And Lord, that uh, your word would sink deep down to our ears, as you said in a few weeks ago. And then into our hearts that we might be doers of the word and not just hearers only. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone who agrees said, If you've been with us, you know that we are coming off the heels of Jesus who took a little child and he used that child as a lesson, an example of dependence and humility. As the disciples are arguing about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. In verse 49, go ahead and peek at it if you will. In chapter 9, the disciples were upset because they saw someone casting out demons and they weren't of their particular camp or denomination. And Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. There's no middle ground. And so they entered a village of the Samaritans, right about verse 51, and the Samaritans didn't receive Jesus. The disciples said, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven? Jesus turned to them and rebuked them and said, the son of man didn't come to burn men, but to bless men and to save them. So this morning we actually come upon, let me have your attention, we come upon a miracle because we are going to finish chapter 9. <laughs> we have been in chapter 9 forever and it's amazing. We're going to actually finish it uh, today. Luke chapter 9, we pick up finally in the last section Verse 57, if you're looking at it, church, say amen. amen. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And then he said to another, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and do what, saints? And another also said in verse 61, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go, me first, go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. In Luke's narrative, Dr. Luke, in Luke's narrative, you will find stories that you will only find in the gospel of Luke. And you will notice from verse 57 going forward into the next, I don't know, couple of two, three chapters, you're going to notice this kind of woven thread of discipleship going to be talking about discipleship, and you'll get that feeling as we continue to move forward throughout these uh, next several chapters. So Dr. Luke tells us, someone said to Jesus, someone, go ahead and look at it again in verse 57, someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. 
Who is this someone? We know this someone, are you listening, is a scribe. We know that from Matthew chapter 8, you can write that in your margins, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20 tells us that this someone is a scribe. Now, that's very telling. In the Jewish history, scribes began, had their inception, while they were in Babylonian captivity. You might remember, you know your Bible history, Ezra was a scribe. Scribes were educated. Scribes were literate. Scribes were skilled in writing. Scribes were skilled in interpreting the Bible. Scribes were also, listen, very used to good living. They were very used to being comfortable. So Jesus said, notice the the scriptures tell us, this scribe said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, if that had been us, we would say, great, let's say the sinner's prayer. Now, where's the sinner's prayer in the Bible? We don't know. I think that's something we just came up with, the sinner's prayer. I remember some years back, probably 23 years ago, I was stationed at Camp Pendleton. I think I told you all this story. And I'm going to tell you again, because I like it. And I said to this guy, I said, I said, do you want to receive Christ? And he said, yes. Well, when he said yes, I didn't know what to do. Because you don't get that response normally. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? You usually say you want to receive Christ. They go, well, no, not now. Maybe later. No, I don't want to receive Jesus at all. So you mean you want to die and go to hell? Yes. <laughs> all my friends are there. We're partying in hell. <laughs> Right? That's what we usually get, isn't that right? Okay, fine. So <laughs> I said, This guy said, Well, you know, you want to receive Christ? He said, Yes. So I said, Well, I'm, man, well, okay. So we were standing near a closet. And I said, Well, I didn't want to pray the sinner's prayer right there in the lobby area. So I said, Well, look, let's just step in the private closet. Let's just go over here. So we got in the closet and. and let's, <laughs> It was just us in the brooms. And, you know, I said, well, okay, I didn't know what I was doing. I was a new Christian. I didn't know. I just knew you just need to say this prayer. So I said, you know, well, okay, let's uh, pray. And it's dark in there, too, so I didn't even know where he was. I could have been praying with a broom. I don't even know. I'm t- I said, well, let's just pray. We're gonna say say, say uh, this after me, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my sin. And fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm a Christian. Okay, I'm a Christian. Amen. So that was about the strength of it. So, and he was all excited. I'm in the closet. I'm clapping like this here, you know. People outside, they're probably like, what in the world is... So we step out of the closet, and there's a whole bunch of Marines standing right there. I said, listen, this is not what you think. We don't... It's a whole different... They're like, sure, sure, so... But we would say, hey, somebody says, I want to follow Jesus. And we would say, great. Well, this happens all the time, saints. Listen, when people impulsively say they want to follow the Lord and they say, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go, as long as you lead me to the place I want to be. And that's what usually happens. What if the Lord says, follow me to sleep in a tent and use an outhouse? Would you be willing to follow him? 
You know, people want to follow the Lord as long as it's comfortable. Churches have altar calls and people come down impulsively and they say, Lord, I'll follow you. But listen, when, not if, but when temptation, when trial comes, what happens to those people? People want to start a ministry as long as the cost isn't too high. In a fit of emotion, they say, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. We say, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Lord, if you get me off this prison sentence, I will follow you. Now, I know that's nobody here. I'm just talking. Lord, I'll follow you if you do this. Or Lord, if you do that, Jesus says, listen, if you want to follow me, there is going to be a cost. Following Jesus, listen, there is a cost involved. Would the church say amen? Amen. There is a cause. Sometimes, listen, when you follow Jesus and you make the decision to follow Jesus, you have to sometimes get new friends. Isn't that true? You can't hang around the same people. Listen, I don't care if you're eight or 80. You cannot hang around with the same people that you used to run with before. Because now they don't know Jesus. So you have, to, you have to give up something. There is a cost. You can't do business the same way you used to do business. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you sacrifice and surrender. Contrary to popular thinking, there's nothing free about Christianity. He said, oh, salvation is free. Salvation is free. Salvation was free to you. But salvation is costly. Don't get that twisted. Salvation costs Jesus his blood. Jesus paid it all for you. So it wasn't free. It cost him. To you, you receive it. But it is costly to follow Jesus. Jesus saying you have to give up your life. Remember, we looked at it in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, chapter 23, verse 23. It says, if any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself, take up his cross daily. Don't leave that out. Take up his cross daily and follow me. So Jesus says, take up your cross. That means to lay down your life. You know, some people want to follow Jesus when it's comfortable. Or they want to follow Jesus because it can't hurt. Some people are like, you know, a little Jesus in your life, well, that just can't hurt. It can only make me a little bit better. I mean, it can't hurt. Follow Jesus because it can't hurt. Some people want to follow Jesus thinking it's some social club. Following Jesus, listen, means that you deny yourself and you live for him. And if you want to follow him, it's going to be a cost to you. Jesus says, here is the cost. Listen. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. In the Greek language, this reads, foxes do always have holes. Birds do always have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. If you want to follow Jesus, you could find yourself in a place where you have no place to lay your head. Sacrifice, surrender. Think about this. For Jesus, tell them first service. For Jesus, this concept, are you listening? You're sleeping. All right. For Jesus, this concept or these words, no place, summed up his life. What do you mean, Rodney? 
When Jesus came into the world, remember there was no place or no room for him in the inn. Remember? When he got to Samaria, we looked at it last week, they refused to receive him and there was no place for him. The religious leaders wanted to kill him and he had no place. The people of Gadara begged him to leave and there was no place. And he was forsaken by the disciples and there was no place. The son of man has no place to lay his head. And it's very interesting. Listen, if you put this story together with Matthew chapter eight, describe, he saw the miracles. He saw the multitudes. He was impressed with the success, but never seeks to surrender his life to the savior. No place. Contrary to popular teaching, Jesus didn't even have a house. Do you know that? Most of us have a house. At least an apartment. Some of y'all living in the tent off Wake Forest. I'm just kidding. Jesus didn't even have a house. And I heard one noted preacher recently. He said that Jesus was rich. He said that Jesus had designer, that the robe that he wore, the camel hair robe that he wore was designer. And and the reason he said that Jesus was rich, he said, because when the disciples said, Lord, where do you live? And Jesus said, come and see. So he concludes from that, that Jesus must have been rich. When clearly Jesus says, the son of man has no place to lay his head. Listen, Jesus was not rich. Not because he didn't, couldn't be rich. He was a king of the world. We just sang it. King Almighty. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Could he have been rich if he wanted to be rich? Yeah. Did he need to be born in a stable? No. He could have been born in a palace. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, son of man have no place to lay his head. He he didn't have a house. And for anybody to say that Jesus was rich and and had designer clothing, that's just stupid. I'm sorry. That's not right, is it, to say from the pulpit, is it? Thank you. One brother said, go ahead, preach it, preach it. Jesus didn't have a house. He came into the world, he didn't even have a crib. While he was in the world, he didn't have a crib. That took me a long time to think of that yesterday, y'all. That was deep. You should write that down. Jesus came into the world with no crib, and while he was here, he had no crib. He didn't have anything. He didn't even own a donkey to ride it in Jerusalem. Don't you know the Easter story? He had to borrow that. He had to borrow the upper room to celebrate the Passover. He had to borrow a grave. Of course, he only needed it for the weekend. (laughs) I had to redeem myself from the crib thing. (laughs) So notice now in verse 59, go ahead and look at it in your Bibles. In verse 59, the scribe said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. But now Jesus looks at the second guy in verse 59 and he says, follow me. And the man said, Lord, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said that the dead bury their own, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Notice the contrast. The scribe said, okay, let's go. Jesus said, are you ready for it? Jesus said to this guy, follow me. And he said, I'm not ready for it. Let me first go bury my dad. 
And some people will read this verse and say, man, that's mean. Jesus, that's lame. This man's dad dies and Jesus wouldn't even let the man go to the funeral or bury his dad. Well, listen, we don't want to don't make the mistake to get the impression that the man's dad died and was sitting in the living room waiting to be buried. I don't get that impression. And he says, Jesus, I'll be right back. And Jesus says, no way. We have to understand this in Middle Eastern context, culture, custom. It was the responsibility of the oldest son to be the primary caregiver in the family in their old age. Keep in mind, these are days when parents got old and you didn't throw them in a nursing home. I think it's criminal how we treat our elderly in this country. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands because that's very true. Get old, throw them in a nursing home. We got places to go. Well, look how we treat our kids. This goes full circle. Got two jobs with two family income. Throw them in daycare. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not condemning you. I'm just telling you that's the world we live in. Put our kids in daycare. Go to daycare. We got this to do. I understand times are hard. Please don't don't judge me. Pray for me. Times are hard. But then when they get older, we throw them in a nursing home. We throw them in a retirement home. Sometimes we don't even go see them. Or we go see them when, when it's convenient for us. I told my kids, you know, you've been here. I told you. I told my kids, don't throw me in a nursing home. You put me in a nursing home. And I'm going to come out. Let the parents say amen. amen. I'm coming out with my walker and I'm going to beat you down with that walker. <laughs> you know, I will hurt you and pray for your healing. <laughs> yes, I will beat you down. I told my kids, I'm going to beat you down. Throw me in a nurse home and see what happened to you. I already got them. They're all scared. They know. Throw me in a No, you need to take care of me. I took care of you. I wiped your little hiney when you couldn't. <laughs> Can you say that in the pulpit? <laughs> Looks like again, I already did. My bad. No, no. I took care of you when you couldn't take care of yourself. You take care of me. Life goes full circle. You take care of me when I can't take care of myself. And trust the Lord will take care of you as you take care of me. Because it's all about me and not about you. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, we just, we throw our kids well, in the Middle Eastern culture and Jewish people. They didn't do that in those days. They didn't throw their family. It was the oldest responsibility to take care of the family. Now, keep in mind, the father hadn't died yet. And the reason we know, watch this, you're going to love it. The reason we know the father hadn't died yet, because if the father had died, the son wouldn't be standing there having a conversation with Jesus. He would have been home burying the father because Jewish people buried their dead the same day that they died. So we know the father wasn't dead yet. We also don't know how old the father was when he said, Lord, let me go bury my father. But we don't know how old the father was. The father could have been 35. And he's not going to die for another 120 years. And the son could have been, we don't know how old the son was. 
So what the son, listen, is saying, he's saying, Jesus, let me go home and live in comfort with my father until he dies. And then he can collect his inheritance and then he can become a disciple. We call this procrastination or maybe delayed discipleship. Lord, I will follow you when my life is together. Now, we could preach about this all day. When I get it all together, Lord, how many people say, you know, I'll give my life to Christ when I have everything together. Or I'll follow Jesus with my whole heart when I have everything together, my financial portfolio. I've had even people even tell me, and I knew, listen, I knew that the Lord had called them. I knew it. God told me. They knew it. But because they wouldn't trust the Lord and wouldn't walk by faith and because they were looking to the future and what they had to do and what they felt that they need to do and they really couldn't really walk with Jesus by faith, they missed the call of God on their life. Don't you know the church is full of people like that? When God calls you, you got to go. Did you hear me? I said, when God calls you, you got to go. You got to go. I'm going to tell you something. I didn't tell my pastor this. I didn't, I, I didn't tell you all this. My pastor told me when I was coming here and he asked me, you know, I went and asked him, you know, did he feel like the Lord was calling me to the ministry? He said, yeah. And I said, darn, I don't really want to go. But and I, we went back and forth and I had three conversations with my pastor, three. And the last one, he says, well, I tell you what. He says, we can support you. This was me of our coming to North Carolina. He said, we can support you. We can help you financially. Y'all got to know something. Nobody helped us financially when we moved here. We didn't have money and we didn't have backing. And Chuck Smith didn't give us, you know, $100,000 to come here and plant this church. That did not happen. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.